And as the sun set on the horizon, they lived happily ever after. Ever heard of it? And welcome to Happily Ever Heard of It. I'm your host, Jesse Jollis. You might know me, you might not. Regardless, I am so happy that you're here. I've coined myself um, the world's first happy comedian because I'm pretty sure that doesn't exist. Um, And I also never thought that would be me, but here we are, and I'm going to tell you how I got to where I am. So the podcast is going to be about mental health, working on loving and celebrating yourself, the journey of which it takes to get there, the relationship we have with ourselves. And when I myself, and I still am working on it, but when I was like, I want to listen to podcasts about this, I found that it was either a bunch of doctors talking about it, which always scares me. Whenever there's an introduction of Dr. Blank, I'm like, we're all, it's, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm eating the wrong things. I'm not moving enough. It's like it just becomes a really scary thing that I felt was hard to kind of jog along to or listen to in the bath, you know, or it was a bunch of hippies that I felt like I they live in the woods and I'm in in a concrete city, you know, and I'm not sure if I can go outside and touch the dirt within my toes. So how is it that I'm going to connect to the earth and myself? Now, I am a soldier also reporting from the ground floor. So what I mean by that is um, I'm still in the middle of healing and working on myself and loving myself more and getting better, which made me feel like maybe I wasn't ready to start this until I realized maybe that would be the most helpful. Yes, I've done a lot of healing and still I have a long way to go. But I think I'm learning in real time. And I think that's valuable, you guys. I think it makes me relatable. We love that. She's not that different from you. And that's how I hope that you'll be able to take whatever it is I'm going through, the stories I have, and go, you know what? Maybe I can do that too. Or maybe it's just fun to listen to. But today, I'm going to tell you about how I got here. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't fun. But it was certainly very worth it. Um, so who am I? First of all, how dare you? Second of all, I understand. Um, I am a gal who, you know, in middle school had a rolly backpack. And so if that's not just for us to know where I am on the timeline, you might go, well, maybe she is married. Uh, You know, maybe she is a millionaire. Maybe she decorates for a living. I just want us to remember I had a rolly backpack. Okay, so anybody here can relate to me. If not, feel bad for me. Because honestly, you all owe me an apology. Because nobody was nice to the girl with the rolly backpack. And I know that because that was me. And a lot of times I didn't even get the, the teasing or the jokes. Like people would say, Where, what airport are you going to? And I'd be like, math class. I'm confused. Why, why? I don't understand what gave you that idea. I don't have a passport in my hand. So, um... So that was a thing. And then I remember even trying to get my parents to to change that. And I said, cars are going really fast. Here I am with a rolly backpack. I'm an obvious target to cars as well. I don't know if I'm bringing up triggers from childhood. And they're like, I need this girl off the road. 
And instead of my parents saying, don't worry, we'll drive you or get you a different backpack, they were like, we are going to give you a reflector vest, which fun fact does reflect light, but attract bullies, even easier to kind of find me. So that was uh, something that we started the old journey with. I also have or had... I think it still obviously flares up with trichotillomania, which Amy Schumer um, highlighted in her show Life and Beth, Life of Beth. And a lot of people hadn't heard of it. Some people have. It's an OCD disorder where you pull your own hair out. So when I was in fifth grade, I had so much anxiety that I pulled the hair out of my head and... Um, a lot of people had questions. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror at one point in my life where I said, that's a tubby fifth grader who does have less than 30% of her hair on her head. And you better get a personality because <laughs> you're never going to be pretty. But that was something that I told myself at that time in my life. That is something I had to really unlearn because that just stuck with me. Um, and I still have like, I have kind of like the picking in my blood. So I have dermatillomania. Sometimes it's like I would pick my face or my nails. And it a lot of times obviously flares up or happens when I'm dealing with more stress or anxiety. And that was something that I just thought was annoying about myself, not necessarily something because there was so much stress or anxiety in my body. Right. And it was just another reason to be pissed off at myself as my nails were just bleeding down the sideway or I would turn in my homework with blood spots all over it. But they always knew it was me. <laughs> and it's nice to have a signature. But pretty much from that point too, um, when I was like younger, my parents let I mean, and again, this is not to <laughs> shame my parents or anybody. I think that obviously when you have a child, there's a lot of fear. You don't want your child to be made fun of, which we could all question why they gave me a rolly backpack. But I, they they also like they you don't want your kid to be made fun of. So as I was getting a little heavier, I was like the height I am now in fifth grade um, and uh, a little a little uh, a little overweight. My parents, you know, kind of got the idea in my head that my weight was a problem. I needed to lose weight. Things would be better if I lost weight. And I joined Weight Watchers around 10 or 11 or 12, which to all my kids who went to Weight Watchers, shout out, <laughs> shout out to you. And we do know now that Weight Watchers kind of um, is unconsciously giving us tools and instructions to have an eating disorder or disordered eating. Um, as well as I think it sort of instills the idea of good and bad, which I think is problematic, especially for perfectionists or people pleasers. It's like a sort of a guideline to look at your day and be like, did I fail? Did I do well? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I perpetuating sort of a cycle? Am I going to keep gaining weight? Am I going to keep losing weight? I'm going to yo-yo. It's like this whole kind of vortex you live in and don't get me wrong when I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting and I saw Candace at the front who was like I used to be a size blank and now look at me and it was like a reveal and here she is showing us the jeans she used to wear and there could have been two of her in it and she was like and I know you can do it too and it was a little bit of an intro to motivational speaking and I said that 
that could be me. I could be the youngest Weight Watchers motivational instructor. Every week I could be like, who lost weight? Stand up. And everyone's getting pins or whatever. And then, you know, Janelle's like, uh, how, Janelle, how did you like, how did you go down so much this week? And she's like, I discovered carrots. And carrots was a breakthrough for me because I wanted a ho-ho and I grabbed a carrot. And you know what? Look at the scale. It worked. And I said, gosh, if Janelle hadn't introduced me to carrots, I don't think I would have found them. And also, how is a carrot like a ho-ho? Uh, that's a lot to take in. And also, that's like the big brag of your week, you know, is that you lost weight or you didn't and you had to do it in front of a person. And, you know, I went with my mom. We would normally buy a, a a bunch of those like chocolate bars that they had and eat like five or six in the car, you know, not eat before you get there, take off as much jewelry as you can <laughs> to try to get your weight down. It was a good time is what I'm saying. It was a good time. And uh, also a very, very, very difficult time. I think that, you know, if you are in any sort of Weight Watcher type program, eating program, I think the most problematic part about it is that it does structure you to judge yourself at the end of the day and give yourself an assessment. And for the most part, when we're not feeling good about ourselves, it's a wonderful way to beat ourselves up and to blame ourselves and to say, look how bad you are. Look what you did, you know, and and, and that's my main issue with it. But I did that for a little bit. Didn't really work because I was a kid and I was like, this feels so annoying to me. I want a ho-ho and a donut and a brownie just like all my friends. Um, and then when I was in middle school, my brother lost a lot of weight. And I saw the reaction from my parents of pride and joy. And I'm a middle child. So that's what I'm chasing. I was on my way to getting straight A's. But that wasn't the same reaction. So I said, okay, I guess I'll lose weight too. So I was on the soccer team in high school and I started a uh, diet diary, which I highly recommend you don't do. Um, I do have it and maybe we'll read from it one day, but it will be, it's very, it's not a fun, it's not a fun read, but I would sort of take the tips I got from you know, Weight Watchers and track everything and write things down. Um, and from just eating, I think, semi-regulated and then working out as much as you do in high school when you're on a any sort of sports team and someone's telling you you have to run, I lost a lot of weight and I got a lot of reactions from a lot of people. And I said, what I didn't realize is everybody would like me better this way. And it instilled this absolute fear in me of gaining it back because now I know what people really thought and the way that people see me was sort of the greatest validation I could get, which is also problematic, which we'll talk about later. Um, so I had that fear and at that point I sort of started introing myself into having really disordered eating. So um, in college, I joined a sorority, aka, I learned how to throw up. Um, and also, I feel like it's an environment where we're comparing our bodies, it's kind of negative, I stumbled into laxatives, I would go to the gym, exercise nervosa, like, th two or three times a week for, you know, to gain, um, 
to burn a certain amount of calories so that I could eat a certain amount of calories. It was, it was, uh, really, really problematic. Um, wasn't until I was in New York and it got the worst it had ever been, uh, cause I'm away from family and friends and I'm working and, and it's the only thing I feel like I can control. So then I went to, um, to a behavioral therapist for that, which helped me stop the, the disordered behavior, but didn't help me stop kind of binging or per, or didn't help me stop binging or the reason why like food was the way it was in my, my brain. Um, because I even remember one time when I was talking to my mom about getting help or just what it was like. And I, I told her like, I don't understand what people think about if they're not thinking about food all of the time. Um, like that's all I think about is food is like what I eat or what I'm going to eat or like how I look. And, and that was just a constant cycle in my head. Then later on, obviously, I started suffering from anxiety, depression, and then in the pandemic, um, because before that, I kind of just turned into a workaholic. So I worked a lot. And that helped in the sense of I wasn't with myself. I, I tried as hard as I could to avoid being just with myself and my own thoughts. And then the pandemic said, knock, knock, who's there? You're not leaving your home and you live alone with your cat. And I said, I've never hated my roommate more. And I don't mean Winnie. I do mean myself. So I went home to live with my parents, which that's a humbling thing to do. Um, And during that time, like for a a few years, I was having like really bad kind of stomach pain almost all of the time. I thought it was because I'm Jewish and I guess, you know, I can't digest anything or, you know, I'm lactose intolerant but I was like gosh everything hurts all the time sometimes before I've even eaten anything so maybe I'm allergic to something I'm not paying attention to I honestly thought maybe I'm allergic to air or water and we just didn't know and maybe I was going to figure that out because it felt like it didn't matter what I eliminated from my diet my stomach always hurt so I went to this doctor who was like we are going to give you every single test in the book We are going to give you like a pill to swallow in your stomach and then pull it back out. Okay. There was a string attached for like some type of acid discovery. I had to get so much blood taken and, and I had to, I I don't even, but I had to turn in my, my, my own fecal matter, if you will, my own poop popsicle. And that was a moment. I don't care what anybody says. I'll, I never want to go through that again. Cause my body, as soon as they were like, you need a sample. My body said, we're never pooping again. We are now taking that gift away from you because you're going to give it away. And so it wasn't great. That wasn't my favorite part. And then you have to keep it in the freezer. This is way too much about that, but it, it was very traumatizing for me. I just didn't enjoy that part of it. I also didn't enjoy the part where they were like, you have to give blood and a lot of blood. And I'm not good with blood. I don't like needles. I really don't like kind of the environment of blood. Um, And you might be wondering, well, how did it go? It didn't go well because I had a mask on. Regardless, I was rolled out of a supermarket 
uh, on a stretcher because I passed out to the point where I guess they thought I had a stroke. Um, I think I was just dramatic in my passing out and my body was kind of like still going over the poop. So it was just freaking out and maybe twitching, but I'm a twitcher. And, uh, but they did, they did, they did call. Uh, and then when I was, you know, getting rolled past the muffins and looking up at the aisles, I thought, what's going on and what's happening and how can we kind of change the trajectory of the path of which I'm on? Um, so that was humbling. And that's, you know, the good old U.S. medical system. That was a pretty $2,000 penalty. Okay. For, I mean, I thought I should have gotten paid for being rolled out of a supermarket or at least a free muffin, but they said that's going to cost you because we all had to see it and no one liked it. So, from that, I finally went back in. All the results are in. I'm talking the poop. I'm talking the blood. I'm talking the pill that went down and came back up. And then he said, okay, I've got good news. I've got bad news. The good news is you are 100% in great health. <laughs> you have no problems. You've got no allergies. No blood, nothing. He's like, uh, I think, I don't know, maybe a little more iron, but he was like, so what that means is all of the stomach pains you have are caused by you. And I said, what? I remember getting that and being almost feeling like I didn't get an answer at all. Like I was like, let's get rid of water. I'll drink Gatorade the rest of my life. Like, what is it that we can change quickly to help my problems? And then it was like, actually, you are your own problem. And you're causing this from anxiety or whatever else your own body is causing this. And so I remember thinking um, this, I couldn't have gotten a worse diagnosis. And I, I'm completely unsure of what to do. Um, and after a little time with it, you know, I was able to realize that, okay, sure, I've been given my own Ursula role in the story. I thought for sure I was the Little Mermaid and someone took my voice away, but we were going to get it back and I was going to get to marry a prince of some sort who fell in love with me using a fork in my hair, which a lot of us could question where his sanity is. But regardless, they said, no, you are the woman with eight tentacles and those two seal eel friends. And I said, okay, now if that's who I'm playing in the story, I also then get to save myself because you, you can't just get, you can't just get the bad role. We at least need Emma Stone to play, you know, the early version of you to figure out how we got this way. So from that, I said, okay, I've got to figure out like what's going on inside what's causing so much pain and anger that it's physically uh, showing itself and causing me to have so much uh, issues and trouble in my own life. So that's kind of how my story started and catapulted. I essentially realized that I was the person who was causing the issues. And so then I decided I had to figure out what was going on and what was going wrong. So that's the the nugget for the for the first part. I'm going to get into how I changed later and what I did, which was obviously looking at self-love, how I felt about myself. Um, I'm going to talk about like your inner child, 
boundaries, self-worth, and self-trust, which I didn't even really know about those two things for I, I for years. Like, it wasn't until I started healing other parts that I realized there were other issues within. Um, I'm going to talk about people-pleasing, insecurities, past versions of yourself, the bully inside, relationship styles, and much more. What I'm excited about on this podcast is I'm going to try to do Q&A segments with you guys. I'm going to bring guests on. I'm going to break things down from my past. Also talk about the present as I'm working on more and more. Um, But I'm so excited that this is happening. I've had this in my brain for a very long time. And it's, it's really exciting to be putting it out there. And I hope that you join me on this journey. I am so excited Um, But remember, if you're the villain in your story, you also get to be the hero. So put on your cape, bitch, and fly. Fly.